This is the Cinema for All podcast. The celebration of going to the cinema with Jack Chell and Abby Standish. Welcome to the Cinema for All podcast. It's Jack and Abby again, back for season two. We're in makeshift studios today, aka our bedrooms with duvets over our heads, because of course, because of the times we're all working at home remotely. But we are still here to connect with you and bring you some great cinema stories to you in your home during this time. Our podcast is a celebration of going to the cinema, but due to the current health situation, cinemas have had to close their doors temporarily, unfortunately. But there's still lots to celebrate about cinemas in today's episode, and we're focusing on the joy that online film clubs are bringing to people across the country. Before we get into today's episode, we want to let you know that there's loads of fun episodes you can go back and enjoy whilst you're home and looking for something to listen to. There's interviews with great filmmakers such as Carol Morley, Matthew Holness and Deborah Haywood, and you can settle down into some gorgeous stories about centuries-old cinemas, iconic animators, and discover the treasures of film archive and restoration. Absolutely, plenty in there. <laughs> now, if all this talk about cinema experiences gets you interested in starting your own thing, afterwards go and uh, go to cinemaforall.org.uk or get in touch with us to find out how you can get your very own community cinema or online film club started. We, we will help you! Whilst we've been making our homes our cinemas, we've been watching a lot of stuff. So, Jack, tell me, what have you been watching lately? Oh, that's so cute. We have been making our homes our cinemas as best we can, really. Like, I know people have been making popcorn at home, that kind of thing. Um, it's a little bit harder, isn't it, to keep your attention span when you don't see something on a big screen. Um, and I think everybody's a little bit more tired at the moment, a bit more weary. Um, so it's hard to kind of keep up your attention span. But luckily, we're in an age where there's so much online content. There's so much that we can watch um, in our own homes, in the comfort of our own homes. So, yeah, I have seen... A lot, actually. Um, probably um, the most recent stuff. I've been watching quite a lot on Mubi. I watched oh, Baccarat. Yeah. Um, Mubi have been really, really kind and have offered 90-day memberships to all Cinephore members and their audiences so people can participate by having an online film club or just simply stay in touch by watching the same kind of content. So that's been really fantastic for everybody. But yeah, Baccarat um, was one of the big ones that I watched. That was supposed to have been released in the cinema and I was going to go and see it in the cinema. <laughs> that would have been really lovely. Um, but I watched it at home instead and it's, it's really such a fantastic film a really unusual film really reminded me of the fi- of the video game game Far Cry Far Cry 3 if anybody's oh, a gamer yeah, you're a out big, there that big Far Cry fan aren't you yeah I love Far Cry it's 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 a really really similar thing it's got um sort of an enclosed community it's got lots of um like druggy trippy scenes it's got kind of outsider tourists coming in um and there's kind of a bit of a horror element to it as well it's it's really as very video gamey, but also really fascinating, and a look at kind of um, colonizers and tourists and what they do to really enclosed communities um, in places like Brazil. So yeah, I really really enjoyed it. It got a little bit kind of schlocky towards the end, um, but I still I thought thought it was fantastic. A really really great film to get this online film club era started. Excellent. I, it's definitely on my list to watch that one. Um, but with Mubi, I've been trying to go like an order of when they're like gonna go off, off Mubi. That is a smart they only way. Thirty days, don't they? Each film. Yeah, that is a smart way of approaching it instead of just being like, I want to watch this, even though it just popped up today, <laughs> which is what I do. 
it is really good because it's kind of like well if you're not going to watch it now you're never going to watch it so it really helps to like curate a little bit about what you're watching with that format I think when we have such an endless choice yeah yeah I like that it stops you endlessly scrolling through Netflix because that's my main problem with Netflix and Amazon Prime and now TV is you just spend like an hour looking for something it's like you can't settle on something until it's like the absolute perfect film for that moment and it just yeah. you just waste your time so it's good to have that cut down for you and somebody not tell you what to watch but just funnel you into a more productive watching pattern yeah for sure for sure I spent like an hour yesterday programming uh, inverted commas um my Netflix like all my different accounts oh. so that when I want to watch something I know I've, I can't complain that there's, there's there's something for every different mood that's a really smart idea. That's that's really clever. I mean, you're making me want to get a spreadsheet together and colour code it for films that are available and where I can get them from and what order I should watch them in. You do love doing that. And I bet people would love to, to, for you to share that as well. Oh, no. What have I done? Oh, no. We've made it work. <laughs> Uh, what else, what else have, have you been seeing? Oh, um, so I've been watching the Vengeance trilogy on movie as well. I've watched the first two. I've watched Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and Old Boy, which I do remember watching Old Boy, not at the time, but sort of when it was out on DVD, um, sort of in the early 2000s. But I don't really remember very much about it. Um, but I preferred Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, actually. I thought that it was a, a, a better structured film. It was less about kind of the schlocky moments. And also the representation of women was a little bit better in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, whereas in Old Boy, for me, that's something that lets it down a lot and means it just doesn't hold up as well. And I think that some characterizations that you would have forgiven a little bit more in 2003, but I think people are much more aware of, of what's... Well, it's just not a cool thing to do with your female characters. And, and it's, you know, that kind of dates the film for me. But Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, I really enjoyed. It's got um, the dad from Parasite in, which I absolutely love. Um, and I've yeah. talked about him in previous episodes. Um, so that, I mean, that's just another thing that made it a whole star better for me than old boy. But I'm going to watch Lady Vengeance soon and kind of complete the trilogy. Although it's kind of only really a trilogy for Western audiences. I think that was something that was badged as a trilogy just to tie three films by the same filmmaker together. I don't think they were intentionally made as a trilogy. Yeah. I, it's funny what you're saying about when you watch something now that was made, even just, you know, um, about 18 years ago and how you watch it through a different filter as things have changed about kind of representation and things like that and I, I think you you write about the trilogy thing in fact when you've mentioned in these films like old boy was a really big like three for ten in the hmv deal and that's how you used to like be able to get to try out loads of cool like international films and take a take a punt on some independent films I remember I wanted to watch Magnolia and it was like 25 quid what? to buy it just just to watch for the first time. And um, yeah, so I think movie's kind of like an online current version of that in a sense. I to like give you a ch chance to test your taste. That's amazing. Movie is the three for £20 world cinema section of HMB circa 2005. <laughs> yeah, I'm and I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, same, same. Um, have you been watching some non-movie movie stuff as well? Yeah, I have. So I've been going back to some older things. Um, I rewatched Kill Bill 1 and 2. Oh, nice. I did that fairly was... recently, actually. Did you? Yeah. Did you Did you think they held up? Uh, I thought the 1 did. I didn't, didn't think 2 did. Fair, yeah, fair enough. I think I, I, I loved them when they came out. I remember them being released 
like they were eight, they were eighteen rating, and I couldn't go to the cinema to see it, and mm. I was just waiting for um, it to come out of choices and just be a bit naughty and watch it when I choices. was a bit younger. Yeah, <laughs> like blockbuster. Um, and uh, I still think it held up. Really think uh, I, I love all the homages. I love how it doesn't like shy away from yeah. And now I love this film, so this is how I'm shooting this scene. Mm. Um, Uma Thurman, so great. Um, Lucy Liu, absolutely brilliant. Oren Ishii's speech in Kill Bill yeah. Volume One is just one of the best things that's ever been committed to film. Mm. Um, I just think it's just just really cool. Um, I had I liked the second one just like in a different way, um, but and then I also watched um, I watched I Tonya again. This is like the second um, time I've watched it, but I showed it to my parents, who loved it, and I love that film still. And Jack, I saved this. I didn't tell you I watched it, so we get that good podcast content. <laughs> the Bodyguard. Oh, Bodyguard, Whitney! Ah! <laughs> oh, Abby, that's so exciting. How did you find it? I really enjoyed it, yeah. so we we watched it um, and didn't really know loads about it. Just know that it is an iconic film, that you love it, and it's got Whitney and Kevin Costner in it. <sighs> Loved how 90s it is. So 90s. Whitney is effortless. Like, when she sings, um, she doesn't even have to move at all no. when she's busting out those notes, and yeah. it kind of made me think, wow. Um, I thought it was... Very gentle. I quite liked how gentle and slow it was as a film. Mm. It took its time. Um, the bit where she throws, <laughs> where she's got the samurai sword, like she goes to his house and she sees a samurai sword, which is again, you're not expecting that to be in the film. And then like he's trying to prove how sharp it is by like he throws her scarf in the air and it just like <gasps> cuts on top of the sword in half. So 90s. Yeah, so 90s. Great metaphor for their delicate relationship. Mm. I'm in. <laughs> um, yeah. I really, I thought it was good. I really enjoyed it. And of course, after listening to that Dolly Parton podcast about the I Will Always Love You song and like getting it for the film and it was a last minute edition and it made it like have this whole new fame uh, was quite cool. Yeah, I I loved, um, so we're talking about the podcast that's called, oh God, what's it called, Abby? Dolly Parton's America? Dolly Parton's America, that's it. And it's hosted by Jab Rap and Ram. Um, it's sort of a Radio Lad podcast. And, and there's an episode in particular that really focuses on how they acquired that film. And it um, acquired that song for the film. It does really bring it to life. So we de- definitely recommend people go away and listen to that episode because it's really yeah. fantastic. One of the best podcasts I've listened to as well. Really nice thing to, to have during these times, I think. Yeah, and lots of film stuff as well, because obviously 9 to 5 and, and um, other films that Dolly was in, it really explores that. So, yeah, go listen to that. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, I also watched Married to the Mob on Sunday. <gasps> oh! <laughs> Jay, producer Jay is nodding eagerly. Because it's uh, so good. It's so good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, just Jonathan Demi. Demi. Yeah, Demi. Demi. I think I've done this before on the podcast, so sorry. <laughs> um, Jonathan Demi, I just think he's such an interesting director because like, none of his films are the same kind of theme at all. But uh, yeah, I just think he's a great, great director. Love Michelle Pfeiffer in it. Oh my God, the accents oh. are so good. Um, there's a great scene where she's trying to deny to somebody's wife that her husband is there with her. And then she goes, oh, yeah, nobody's here. What are these then? And then she goes, glasses. And it's just so, so good. Um, and really young Alec Baldwin in it. Yeah. Perfect, perfect casting. 
David Byrne doing the soundtrack? David Byrne and Jonathan Demi, man. I mean, what a dream team. Just... I know. So good. It's just one of and... the greatest pairings in cinema history of all time. Yeah, Jonathan Demi always like works with like such a strange amalgamation of people, but it always works so with Ricky and the Flash with Meryl Streep in, which I think is on Netflix. I enjoyed that film. So it's Jonathan Demi directing. Diablo Cody wrote the script and uh, Jenny Lewis did the songs for it. So mm. good. Well, his taste in film, his taste in music was just impeccable. Like the soundtrack mm-hmm. for Silence of the Lambs is amazing. Goodbye Horses is just one of my favourite songs of all time. So and from good. such an iconic moment. But yeah, collaborations with amazing musicians, other filmmakers, John Waters is in Something Wild. Like we could just make this a Jonathan Demi podcast and that would be excellent. Yeah, maybe we should do a deep dive on some directors oh. like maybe that would be quite interesting for this episode if you if you think that sounds like a good idea let us know on um at cinema for all pod on twitter <laughs> <laughs> 0800 1066 yeah <laughs> <Battle of laughs> no problem um <laughs> what else have i been watching um i watched cruising the other night the oh, yeah. al pacino film with william friedkin in it's kind of a 1980s pre-aids crisis look at um, a very sort of Hollywood version of S- the S and M subculture, gay subculture at the time, and it's um, sort of a bonkers film. Really, it's about a serial killer operating in New York's sort of gay village, but specifically in the S and M community. So, it's received it's received a lot of backlash at the time for being an inaccurate depiction of sort of gay life in the early 80s but it's very specifically looking at S&M culture rather than just these are what gay clubs were like in the 80s um but it's just it's, it's quite a peculiar film thematically like it's very um explicit it's got a lot of really explicit sex scenes in it um but character wise it doesn't really delve enough into Al Pacino or the serial killer for me, just the narrative seems to have pushed, been pushed to one side for a bit more voyeurism on like, ooh, look at the sexy sex scene in a club. And, um, but it's still like such a, a kind of a moment in history. And that's, I think, an interesting way to look at it really, that um, how the film was received and what kind of time it was depicting, sort of a time um, like pre, pre-AIDS crisis when there was, um, a lot more freedom with with regards to sex and public sex and people starting to become um, more... Uh, gay culture was becoming much more obvious and more prevalent in society, but at the same time, really, really gay people were deeply mistreated by the police. So it was, yeah, just a really interesting slice of history, really, although I think as a film it doesn't really stand up and narratively it's got a lot of flaws. Yeah, mm. I think you're right about it being like a bit of a moment in history because I haven't seen the film, but I only, I've only heard of it because of that um, documentary I talked about last time, The Celluloid Closet. They do it like a, they show you some clips from it and talk about it, exactly what you're saying about that kind of police brutality, um, also like S&M and an expression of, of, of uh, you know, a, fa- a facet of the expression of the sexuality. So I think, yeah, you've totally got it right, but... Should I should I check it out, or is it so flawed it's not great? No, I think it's I think it's valid, really. I think it's worth watching. I think Al Pacino in it is is interesting. He's definitely not at his best. He's not at his dog day afternoon best, which is like mm-hmm. peak Al Pacino for me. Um, but it it's kind of a film that I've thought about a lot, and I think 
I think regular listeners of the podcast will know that those are the films that I like the most, even if it might be a poor film, films that stay with me that I keep coming back to in quiet moments, which we have a lot of at the moment. Um, (laughs) For sure, yeah. Ones that get under your skin, you know, you've got to give them some credit for that. Yeah. Um, um, Can we talk about Existence? (laughs) Yes, we can talk about Existence. So we've both watched this on Mubi recently, right? Yeah, and I only found out this moment that you watched it too. Yeah, it was probably one of the first films I watched of the lockdown era, um, which is <laughs> quite a weird film to watch at the moment. I think it was probably put on movie before all of this happened, um, but it's kind of same as Old Boy. Really, there's a lot of things that that you you think, oh gosh, am I really watching this right now when I'm trapped in the house? Um, but yeah, I, I um, I'm a big Cronenberg fan, but it's one that I've not watched before, which is a little bit bonkers. It's actually one I'd forgotten existed, existed. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's so funny. So it's it's I think it's 1998 that it came out. Mm. This is only my second Cronenberg film. I've only seen Cosmopolis before this. Oh, and I was like, okay, Cronenberg, Jude Law and Jan- uh, Jennifer Jason Lee Lee. Yeah, um, are in it. Um, and it's about, um, kind of like a future where you can have, um, a virtual reality, but the, the way that you get, get into those games is you have something called a biopart, which grossed me out to no end, yeah. which is like a hole they put at the bottom of your spine. <laughs> and then they plug in these horrible, like, um, umbilical cord looking things mm. to get you into the game. This is one, I'm so glad you've seen it, Jack, because I feel like you're either living in this world and you've seen existence, or you're living in this world and you haven't (laughs) seen existence, and they're the two different people in this world. Yeah. The the Jude Law is doing a Canadian accent and he's doing his real best. It really, it, I think the accent work in the film is one of my favourite things about it, actually. And, and it's very <laughs> funny that he's not doing an American accent. It's a Canadian accent. Um, of course, David Cronenberg is Canadian and I think technically it's a Canadian film. But just those little, little hints of Canadian accent are just like perfection. I love that so stuff. So good. But when Jude Law is kind of like, scared like his character's scared he goes full british but then he'll bring it back with like i don't care about that <laughs> or something like that uh, um the hair like janet um, jennifer janet J- I'm sorry jennifer, jennifer jason, jason lee, lee. <laughs> jennifer jason lee's hair in it in the opening is iconic she kind of has like two sections at the front straightened then she has it crimped and then she has another section straightened then she has it like wavy yeah iconic <laughs> Just like the crimping era, <laughs> to see the crimping it depicted, era. to see to see the babylous crimping era depicted so accurately on the big screen is <laughs> that is so good. I would love like a little series of films that fit that that narrow, that 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 label. Well, you know also, that's how we lived our life in 1998. It was very similar <laughs> to lockdown. We were sitting in our bedrooms with a babylous crimper, going to town on our fringes. So. It, it really is true, just burning that hair away <laughs> yeah. with the worst hairdos. But also, the th- what I felt like the film was, was David Cronenberg feels like he's watched Alien 4 Resurrection, oh, which yeah. is a 1997 gem of a trash film. Yeah, directed um, by Jean-Pierre Genet. Yeah, Jean-Pierre Genet. Crazy. I think Josh Whedon wrote the script, but then like quit, I think. And then um, Sigourney Weaver is at her finest, but also it's got Winona Ryder. 
in it as well. It is a 90s dream, but it's like he watched that. I mean, you know, Alien Resurrection is like fan fiction anyway. It's like he watched that and then opened up a Word document and then watched and then wrote Existence. Like, it's like he's been influenced by that. Opened up his Word Windows 98. Boo, boo, boo. That's what happened. And then he wrote, got right in that, that Existence. Amazing. The... Um, the gun in it, there's a gun in it. Gun's everybody. amazing. And if you've seen it, you'll know exactly what I'm describing. That's built from like bones that have still got gross, dripping like gristle on them. Yeah. And it shoots teeth. Yeah. It is one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen yeah. in my life. And it is so effective how it makes you feel that I kind of gave it a star just based on that. Yeah. We've got to get you, got to get you watching some more Cronenberg. Like, I, your homework is to go away and watch History of Violence, which is on Amazon Prime. Um, and, like, that's the one. It's not like a body horror. It kind of... Um, I think Existence kind of bridges the gap between where he's still got a lot of body horror in his movies, Cronenberg, but it's starting to move away to more uh, relationships and stories and something that's a little bit more blockbustery. And then you get uh, History of Violence in the early 2000s, which is just a five-star film so okay i will get that watch because i know you're passionate about it and you've seen it in the cinema a couple of times haven't you a gazillion times is the answer <laughs> <laughs> anything else you want to mention that's stuck out to you hmm um i've watched a couple of docs i've watched um I've watched the trixie mattel documentary which is just fine like you have to be a fan which i am um that's enjoyable and then i finally caught up with three identical strangers which if you remember when that came out i was like so excited about and then just managed to completely miss it being on a cinema and it just got uploaded to netflix maybe about two weeks ago um and i watched that and i think narratively it's really well told um it's very emotional and i think it also speaks to the power of documentary as well in that some things no spoilers have happened as the result of that film being committed to the big screen so mm -hmm. um i kind of love that when the power of a story being told cinematically has an impact on the world and on people's lives. And I was not expecting that from this film. I thought it was just going to be, you know, I've read the newspaper story about the three identical strangers. So these were triplets that were separated at birth and then found each other when they were 19, just, just by chance, really. Um, so I'd read the newspaper stories around it um, and, and pretty much everything that I could gobble about it. But the film takes you on a different journey. And it's quite unusual for a documentary to not just be a, a retelling of the long form newspaper article on it so yeah so it's really yeah. successful there. there's a lot of like wiki wikipedia page documentaries happening oh, but that, that, is that one is really really so good and how the story just unravels yeah but yeah loved it it's worthwhile watching that it's a, it's a nice easy watch good distraction uh, <laughs> which i guess we're all looking for films that are a good distraction at the moment so yeah i would go and check that out so today we're talking about online film clubs. Obviously, it's a really challenging time for cinemas at the moment and community cinemas as well. And that we're unable to have public gatherings. We're unable to share cinema as a community. And that can really make a difference to people's lives. A lot of people socially depend upon film, socially depend upon their cinema or their community cinema. And it can be a really challenging time to make sure that we maintain those connections while still experiencing great film and continuing our film education. So what we've seen pop up 
almost immediately after the closing of cinemas and the closing of community cinemas is online film clubs. Now, this is not entirely new. People have been doing watch parties for some time um, where you stream a film at the same time and then congregate somewhere together online to chat about it and share your experiences. But boy, have we seen an absolute boom of those in the last couple of weeks with groups just jumping on board with this as a fantastic way to keep those connections and just keep being a community cinema. Keep your doors open, even though you can't be publicly gathering together at the same time in the same place. Um, so what we did really quickly after... Um, after we all sort of started working at home and community cinemas closed their doors, is we put together an online film club guide. So if you want to learn more about putting together your own online film club, then we recommend going to the website. The Simfra website will pop a link in the show notes. And we have a really beautiful little downloadable PDF where you can find all that information about how to get started. Um, Abby, what do you think about online film clubs? I think they're awesome. I think what a great way to share something together. Still, like you say, still make it about a community. I think what's really cool is a few people have been saying to me that they've managed to try out films that they might not be able to try out necessarily at their original community cinema. And this might even influence how they program in the future in terms of what films they're going to try with their audience, what their audience might be open to, and even just showing people at really kind of worldwide level the the joy in this kind of shared experience and i'm hoping that and i think it will happen when we can reopen our doors is a lot more people will flood through and want to keep this kind of momentum going this kind of connection um i think as well it just does make you feel like you're part of something like you're being together i've really benefited from like watching something at the same time as somebody it makes me feel like i'm connected it gives a bit of structure to my day uh, and yeah it's been so lovely to hear about how it's going for people a few people even said like it's like a bit of like an outreach project because there's people who just cannot simply attend their cinema for whatever reason that might be whether it's accessibility or timings or childcare issues um, but now they can do it at a time that's kind of convenient for them and so many more people in their community are getting to join in on what they're doing yeah, I think I think the accessibility thing is such an important point, Abby, um, that this shows how much more accessible we can all be, how much more accessible community cinemas can be, how much more accessible independent and commercial cinemas can be, um, that we can make these solutions for people that might not be able to actually physically attend our screenings or might be uncomfortable physically attending our screenings. And I think that would be an incredible legacy of, of this time. Um, and it's really wonderful to see everybody using this moment to problem solve and to keep going. You know, one of the things that I love is that it proves that cinema is not just a luxury. It's it's important in people's lives to uh, watch art, to be entertained by art and to have these social connections. It's not just about people coming together. It's also about the, the fact that we're sharing um, work that's been made by people, work that's to educate, to inform, um, to develop our lives, to develop our brains. And that's something that at the moment we, we can't live without. We need that. We need to be able to expand our minds. We need to be able to expand our experiences, what we see outside of our living room and outside of just sitting on our sofa. Um, so that's so important for me at the moment is just Obviously, we've always believed this, that cinema is essential. But for me, this moment really compounds that it, it isn't just a luxury. Totally, totally agree. Like, 
it's such an important time. It lets you travel when you can't go anywhere. It let it let it keeps us empathizing with people and what's going on and stories. It's so special. And lately, I've just been extra extra proud, um, and even honored to just be part of like the cinema industry in any form. That's community cinema has you know shone so well and is doing so many incredible things that it makes me really happy to be part of this sector but also just cinemas in general I've just seen everybody just be really open kind generous encouraging um yeah it's been a really positive thing to see during such kind of uncertain times um so without further ado we're going to let you listen to some great community cinemas tell you about how this experience has been going for them Hi, this is Clelia here from Bird and Cage. We hosted our first online film club last night. Um, we showed Roma. We did a, um, a a vote online at the start of the week so people could choose out of four films what they wanted to see. Um, we started the film at seven and uh, we hosted a, a live Q&A on Facebook Live. Um, it was fairly popular. It was pretty good. Uh, so looking forward to do that again next week. Bye. Hiya, my name is Louis and I'm a volunteer at Deptford Cinema. To continue film programming in these difficult times, we're currently trialling a new streaming platform for one month that the volunteers have worked hard to deliver. We're showing a range of licence-free short films from students, local filmmakers and artists, as well as low-budget indie features too. Uh, We're using Vimeo to upload films and monetising them with all proceeds going back into the cinema. Anyone can watch a film for £2, either on their computer, mobile device or smart TV through the Vimeo app. And if you'd like any advice on how this can work for your community cinema, film society or student cinema, please get in touch with info at depthforcinema.org and we'd be more than happy to give advice. It's a really great way to continue being proactive as a cinema group through programming whilst also respecting the need for self-isolation. Check out our films now at www.depthforcinema.org and click on DC On Demand. Hi Jay and everyone, it's Ed Muffrell. Uh, I'm Ash from Film Unit in Sheffield. We've been running Film Unit Remote, which is our remote programme for the period of the lockdown. Um, we've been running two films a week uh, with an indie release on Wednesday using Mubi. Uh, so for instance, we showed Baccarat last week and then a big release on Saturday, uh, which we've showed Clueless and Spirited Away for so far. It's going well. Um, Numbers are a thing that it's quite hard to tell how many people you've got doing it, for obvious reasons. But the most important thing to me and everyone else on committee is that it exists as a service that if people want to watch a film with other people, then we are there for that. And even if that's just one or two people on a Wednesday evening, then we'll be there for that. If people who are listening want to join in with that, they're more than welcome to go check out the Film Unit Facebook page. Thanks. Hi, this is Matthew from Godalming Film Society. We've done a couple of interesting things during the current situation. We we cancelled all our uh, in-person screenings, but we've put them online so that people can log in, our members can log in, and actually watch the films being streamed on the evenings we would normally screen them. Um, and that's gone down really well. They've been able to see them even with subtitles that they needed to, and we've added our normal film introductions to them too. Uh, so that's really exciting and, and gotten really good feedback and viewer numbers so far. We're also reaching out to people with emails and newsletters. We're doing recommendations of films that are coming up that we think they'd like. We've got links to films we've previously screened over our past 12, 13 seasons and where you can find them on Sky, Amazon, Netflix, iPlayer and so on. And we're doing lots of recommendations about here are books, articles, further reading, videos related to films that we screened that people might enjoy even more. So we're just trying to keep uh, lots of good contact with our members and keep them informed about what they can do around the society, around films 
comes to uh, enjoy the sort of fair that we would normally put on. Thanks for everything you're doing to help us uh, to support us in doing all that as well. It's been wonderful getting to know people a bit more um, and putting on cool services different than the normal services. Hi, I'm Jenny, one of three from Magic Lantern Film Club. The other two being Mel and Alison. We are, or we were, Sheffield's Nomadic Film Club. We put on shows, Canal Side, in a library, a museum, a bike repair shop, though all that seems quite dreamlike now. Uh, truth be told, we'd wound down. Alison had relocated to Barcelona and Mel had become a carer for her brother with Huntington's. And in a weird way, COVID-19 has revived us. We're doing our third a simultaneous YouTube screening on Sunday. Vincent Price in The Last Man on Earth. There's so many things we miss, not least the roundtable planning meetings. But we can do this, so we are. Hi there, my name's Bridget and I do operations and programming for the Regal Cinema in Fordingbridge. We have decided to try doing online screenings and it's been going well so far, although we haven't done our first actual screening. But we've set up a Facebook group, which has been doing really well. It's got over 100 people in it and everybody's been really interactive. And they are currently voting for their first film, which we're going to show by BBC iPlayer. So it'll be interesting to see what they choose. If you want to get in touch with us about what your cinema is doing during this time, please send us a voice clip no longer than a minute long to info at cinemaforall.org.uk and we'll do our best to share everyone's story. Yeah, and we just wanted to take a minute to let you know that the Cinema for All team are still here for you. If you're a community cinema, we are working at home, we've still got plenty to do and we are doing our best to support you during these changing times. So um, if you would like to support us as an organisation during a time that is a little trickier for us, then we have got a link in the show notes where you can find different ways to support us. Um, but one of the very basic ways of supporting us is if you like our podcast, the Cinema for All podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes, share us on social media which is at cinema for all pod or even just tell your pals about it it goes such a long way but for now it's time to roll credits producer jay platt logo designed by lydia lipinski at thoughts make things hosted by jack chow and abby standish with thanks to bird and cage cinema film unit deptford cinema godalming film society and magic lantern film club and deborah parker the cinema for all podcast is supported by the bfi awarding funds from the national lottery thank Thank you. you